The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back here, folks, on Big Blue View for our very next NFL Draft Prep episode. We're going to have a little bit of fun today. We decided post-free agency, we will be doing mock drafts. So what we did ahead of time, and there will, there will be a post coming out soon on BigBlueView.com uh, for each of these mock drafts. We each did our own mock, full uh, seven-round mock draft, and we're going to go through those picks. We're going to share our thoughts on each guy's mock. And we're going to have a nice discussion on if we think certain things are realistic, if we think certain things will play out the way that they did, maybe some shockers, maybe some questionable picks. That is going to be the gist of today's show as we are getting closer and closer to the NFL draft. Before we get to that, though, folks, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review if you enjoy listening. And also head to BigBlueView.com. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Nick Filato and Chris Flum. Guys, let's get rolling into this first mock draft. The way that we're going to go in terms of order, I will go first, then it will be Nick. We'll take our commercial break and then Chris will wrap us up. So if you guys can see my mock draft, what I ended up getting, and I was pretty satisfied with a lot of these picks, and part of me wonders if the draft network is just a little too generous or they're also way too low on some guys that are probably going to get drafted a lot higher. But what I ended up with at the 11th overall pick, I was able to snag Micah Parsons, uh, the linebacker out of Penn State, which was, for me, if he's on the board, he's got to be the Giants pick. Right after him, round two, I was able to grab Wyatt Davis, the guard from Ohio State. Uh, 76th overall in the third round, Quincy Roche, edge from Miami. Fourth round, 117th overall, Jalen Twyman, defensive tackle from Pittsburgh. And then 197th in the sixth round, Cornell Powell, wide receiver from Clemson, wrapping it up with another wide receiver at pick 202 in the sixth round, Amir Smith-Marset, the wide receiver out of Iowa. So guys, I think the, the big gist for me here is trying to, and we've talked about this a lot, is going best player available. Um, I was trying not to go too crazy with attacking the Giants' current needs, but luckily where I was sitting with a lot of these picks, the best player available and the most 
reputable name that I was able to spot each time happened to be at a position of need. And I think the big thing for me is within these first three picks, I was able to address those key spots of second linebacker, uh, you know, to play alongside Blake Martinez. I was able to get an interior offensive lineman very early that could turn out to be a good starter. And then I was able to get a little bit of pass rush juice with Quincy Roche and then kind of wrapping things up with Twyman, who is, you know, going to be a a good rotational guy adding into a defensive line group that lost Alvin Tomlinson. And I was additionally able to get some depth for this receiver group, not necessarily some guys that are going to be elite starters on this Giants team, but could be contributors and also fill out the rest of the receiving group. So guys, let me hear your thoughts on my mock draft. What do you guys think? Well, I really like the uh, Smith Marset edition. I actually have him in my mock draft as well. And I don't like—I don't want to say he's a poor man's Jalen Waddle because I think that's unfair. But he is an explosive athlete that Iowa, a team that is pretty conservative with their offense, would design a lot of touches for. And he can have that—he does have that vertical ability, that ability to stack off the line of scrimmage. He did all those things well. He has those concentration drops, and he had. He hurt his ankle doing a front flip, which left him out of the senior bowl. He also had DUI, I believe. Mm. So he had a couple of things that are working against him as to why he's falling down the boards. But at this point of the draft, the 202, that is excellent value. And you landed probably, arguably, I would say, the best defensive player in this draft in Micah Parsons to pair with Patrick Graham, Blake Martinez. I think that's going to be excellent. And something that we've all been talking about on this podcast is you need to find some strength somebody to compete with Shane Lemieux and Will Hernandez in the interior offensive line. You got Wyatt Davis and he's a mean SOB. So I do love that addition as well. I thought I think your draft's pretty solid there, Joe. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have to agree. I, one thing I, I don't know if you were specifically going for it, but I do like the amount of pass rush you added with this draft. You know, Micah Parsons, he has, he's, Technically an off-ball linebacker, but he's got that edge experience. He could line up at defensive end, rush linebacker. He could rush through the A gap or B gap from an off-ball position. He's ridiculously explosive. He had that phenomenal pro day that Joe Judge was there to watch. So that, I think, is going to be a big – could be a big addition if it happens. But then you got uh, Quincy Roche. Yeah, he's not a top-tier name among the edge rushers, but I don't think he's all that far behind though those top four or five edge players in this draft. You know, he had a pretty darn good pro day himself. He's technically sound. He can do a lot of different things. He can win a bunch of different ways. And then Jalen Twyman, he is an interesting tackle. You know, he's undersized, which you know, I'm not sure if the Giants themselves would go for a we'll say 290 pound defensive tackle but he is very quick off the ball very athletic and he could be a really disruptive guy as a three technique four eye five technique that kind of player another thing about twyman i wanted to bring up as well is we can't forget bj hill good player but this is the last year of his contract so they might be looking for somebody you know somebody who can create interior pressure challenge guards angles kind of win with upfield burst and that's something that twyman can do yeah, and that, and that yeah, was definitely. that was for me with Twyman. I was a bit surprised that he was going to be still there available uh, in the fourth round when I was able to get him. Um, and, and I honestly just figured it's another rotational piece. There wasn't anybody that I was really that hungry for at that spot that I think I would have taken over him. And I, I think it does fit that need of you just maybe need a one extra guy in the rotation Additionally, along the lines of the fact that B.J. Hill might not be back in the following year, as you mentioned, Nick. So, uh, Nick, I want to hear about your mock draft next. So who did you get? And let's hear the picks and we'll share our thoughts. 
Alrighty, so we didn't do any trades here because I would have been very open to trading <laughs> down. But with the first round pick, and it's something that I've been focusing on on this podcast, it's the offensive line. Rashawn Slater was there, and I felt that was my BPA and somebody to select. There was no Micah Parsons, but still, even if Micah Parsons was there, I'd still go Rashawn Slater, I believe. So I added him with the 11th overall selection. I believe that the Giants can give Matt Parrott the first shot at that right tackle position, and then you can move Slater really anywhere. I honestly believe he could play all five positions. And I know he's only played left and right tackle, but he's taking sets from both sides. He definitely, his profile fits to guard. And if he can snap, I don't understand why he wouldn't be able to do center either because he does have enough of an anchor. It's not an elite trade of his, but he does have enough of an anchor to perform that against nose techniques. So I think Slater could compete with Will Hernandez, Shane Lemieux, and beat one of them. And then that would just leave a battle between those two for the other guard spot. So I really love that addition. And at 42, I went with... Gregory Rousseau, who fell that far, somebody a lot of people are mocking in the first round. And I just look at his length. I mean, 11-inch hands, ridiculous. You know, he's he's a good athlete. He's, he's not somebody who's going to bend the edge consistently and bend through contact or do any of those things. But I still love the value here. And he's still a moldable piece of clay. We haven't seen him in more than a year. But at this point of the draft, I think that's a good addition. Then I went back to offensive guard, and I went with best player available at 76. And that was Aaron Banks, just another player to add to this offensive line who can compete. He, I mean, he played tackle when William Meikenberg went down. He's not going to play tackle in the NFL, but he can play either guard position, and he's just a mammoth of a man. He was there at 76. You could say it's a little bit redundant, but I believe you have to bolster this offensive line. Another pick that you can argue was a little bit redundant is Jordan Smith, but he's the edge from UAB. I got him in the fourth round, another great value, but I look at Jordan Smith, and I see someone different than Gregory Rousseau. Yes, he's incredibly long. He has those similar type of measurables. But Jordan Smith, I feel it can operate in space a little bit better. He can cover. He can drop to the boundary. He can do those types of things. So you can use him in a more creative fashion, whereas Gregory Rousseau might be more of a guy who's just going to be attacking and you're not going to be dropping him into coverage as much. So I see a little bit of a difference there and you're adding a lengthy, athletic type of guy. Is it similar to Cam Brown? I still would say probably no. Are they both long? Yes. And that's something that can be incredibly valued. Then in the sixth round, I went with Amir Smith-Marset, who I talked to talked about a little bit with you, Joe. Really like this addition as an explosive playmaker. You can get the ball in his hands on jet sweeps and design type of touches, and he could still take the top off of defenses. And then with the 202nd pick, I went back to Iowa, and I took Alaric Jackson, a guy a year and a half ago people were mocking in the first round. But he's just fallen because he didn't have a great 2020. He's the left tackle at Iowa who started that left tackle over Tristan Wirfs, and he started for four years there. So I really like this addition as a developmental type of tackle. I believe this last year he actually went vegan and wow. his play actually fell off. Now, is there a correlation there? It's hard to say, maybe, but he's <laughs> he reportedly went back <laughs> to eating meat. I didn't love what I saw down at the Senior Bowl, but I still believe bringing him in at this juncture of the draft is a wise move. Yeah, Guys, roast me. Yeah, I'm not going to roast you. I, I think that this is uh, uh, you know another pretty good draft. I, the only thing that I, I think I don't entirely agree with, but I know that it's probably realistic knowing what Dave Gettleman likes to do, where if there's positions that he wants to address, he's going to draft multiple players at that position. We've seen him do it more than once. So for you to go double interior offensive line and double edge, I think that's possible. Um, for me also, you know, I don't think that it's a wrong approach because 
that's where they need to fix their positions of need the most is those spots. But um, I think that the Gregory Rousseau thing is pretty crazy. But at the same time, I still think it's possible. Uh, I think that there's a chance that that does happen where some teams might be like, we didn't get to see him this year. Um, he's still very, very raw. And if that happens, I don't see a reason why the Giants don't try to figure that out and trying to find a way to, to get him to play up to a high level. Maybe not right away but in a few years. And the other pick, though, that I'm a really big fan of here um, is you getting Aaron Banks. I'm a, a really big fan of Aaron Banks. I was covering Notre Dame football for a br brief period of time um, with the Locked On Podcast Network. And I, I have to say that Banks, I think, is one of the most underrated offensive lineman in this class. He's technically sound. He was highly rated by PFF throughout the whole season for a reason. The guy has a ton of accolades and he's just super consistent. He's not necessarily going to be an elite high level starter for a third round pick, but I think that he's somebody who's good enough to plug in and play early. He's somebody that's right now what the Giants need is that if you go Rashawn Slater and they decide to play him at guard and they also went Aaron Banks, I would immediately see both of those guys starting. I don't even think it would be whole a whole hell of a lot of a competition because I think Banks is consistent enough to do that. Yeah, I really like Aaron Banks as well. The only question I have is what do the Giants want to do with their blocking scheme? You know, do they want to run a zone blocking scheme or they do they want to go with the more straight ahead man gap smash mouth stuff they showed in the second half of 2020. I really like Aaron Banks for just a power run game. The only question I have is whether or not the Giants would do that if they want to do that. You know, they've shown that they can do it if they have to do it. But then I I actually do like the strategy of getting multiple offensive linemen just to, you know, we don't know what's up with Will Hernandez. This could be his last season. We don't know if Shane Lemieux can play the right side or if he's going to be more than really just a run blocker if he can pass protect and you know be a reliable pass protector and then we don't really know what will happen with Matt Parrott as he gets more reps if he be, if he can become a reliable right tackle so with this mock you are providing a, a solution at right guard and then backup plans for multiple questions and I like that with Gregory Rousseau, yeah, I could see him falling out of the first round. Uh, he could have a he could go as high as the top ten, or in a mild spoiler for my my mock draft, I actually had him sitting there in the third round. So you know who knows where he is going to go. He is that big, moldable piece of clay. He is, I would say, he's athletic but not explosive. I actually don't care whether or not he can be that versatile edge that we have been gravitating towards because I trust Patrick Graham to scheme him into the defense. You know, if he can only be a hand in the dirt seven or nine technique, fine. You know, you can work around that. You know, uh, Todd Bowles made Jason Pierre Paul and Chandler Jones work in his multiple defense. Patrick Graham can make Gregory Rousseau work if they believe in him. Yeah, I, I agree with that take, to be honest. And honestly, with the Aaron Banks, I mean, Giants ran a lot of power gap last year, man. There were a lot of duo type of concepts and a lot of, I mean, counter Trey was basically their base running play since week five on. So I think Aaron Banks is a play side guard. And then even if you insert Rashawn Slater as the backside guard, who's going to buck a step and then pull and kick out the end man on a line of scrimmage. I mean, I would love to see that personally. I, I would just like to interject. He said bucket step. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So Chris, we got to get to yours. Uh, your mock draft next. But before we do, we just have to take a really short commercial break. 
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Chris, we're ready to hear what you got for us. Who are your picks? And uh, let's hear a little bit of reasoning as well. Okay. So I have to start out by saying this was actually my second mock draft. I had to refresh the page after after about the third round. It was just going a little bit too predictably. I I wasn't comfortable in the mainstream. I needed to get out on a branch. You know, that I always wind up out on one every mock, every draft season. I just had to get out there. So first round, 11th overall, I went with J.C. Horn, cornerback out of South Carolina. Second round, went with Zavin Collins, linebacker out of Tulsa. Third round, got to, I get to the offensive line, Josh Myers, interior offensive lineman from Ohio State. Fourth round, Marvin Wilson, defensive tackle, because this is the Giants, and <laughs> We can't not draft a defensive tackle out of Florida State. Round six, Ellerson Smith, edge out of Northern Iowa. And round six, I get a wide receiver, Austin Watkins Jr. Now, just to go back through, I the top 10 picks for me, I had five quarterbacks go. Mac Jones went third overall. But I had Micah Parsons, Rashawn Slater, Kyle Pitts, and Jamar Chase make up four of the other five picks in front of me. So I was left with yeah, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, Christian Derrissaw out of Virginia Tech, and Patrick Sertain and J.C. Horn. I went with Horn because, well, I just really love his game. He had a really good pro day recently, ran in the four threes. He is one of the most physical corners I have seen in a long time. So you get that speed, you get that physicality, and just downright nasty play demeanor yeah i watching his tape the only thing i can come up with is stefan gilmore with a keep to leaves attitude and i would kind of like that guy on my defense then zavin collins again he he is big you know six four two sixty he's got athleticism he's got explosiveness he's got movement skills he could play off ball or you could line him up as an edge on occasion so kind of like a uh i'm not gonna say Micah Parsons light or poor man's Micah Parsons, but a small school Micah Parsons. Uh, Josh Myers, similar to uh, maybe like an, a strictly interior version of Rashawn Slater. He's big, strong, very good center. He can also play the guard positions. He he is a people mover in the run game, and I think he can be a reliable pass protector at either guard position. I think he's got enough scheme versatility. He could do 
pretty much whatever they want as far as blocking schemes. Marvin Wilson, yeah, I think we each had a guy like this where at one point he was a first rounder and then just fell off. Well, I, I went with that with Marvin Wilson. He's got the size the Giants like in a defensive tackle. He's got those first round traits. If they can unlock them, that could give them some really high quality depth and an eventual starter for a fourth round pick. I couldn't pass it up. And then sixth round, Ellerson Smith. I really liked what I saw from him from the senior ball. Good size, good versatility, good athlete. He kind of jumped off the field in those practice sessions. And Austin Watkins, I just really liked watching him play. Very smooth for a bigger receiver. He's got pretty good speed. He's got the ability to stretch the field. He can win short with his route running. Good hands. I think he could give them solid depth at really every receiver position, and he could potentially develop into a starter down the line. Love All right, guys. <laughs> have at it. Nick, what do you got? I love that Austin <laughs> Watkins call, Chris. I, I I watched Austin Watkins film, and I was really impressed with the nuance that he had in his ability to kind of set up those vertical routes and win because he's not the best athlete, but I thought he also went down to the senior bowl and had a low-key protest. I would love that in the sixth round. And then J.C. Horn is a little bit unconventional. We don't, we don't see that everywhere, but Chris, you're your own man. And you know what? J.C. Horn, he's an absolute stud. So I'm not going to sit there and complain about that pick. Zayvon Collins, like you said, kind of like a poor man's Micah Parsons had one real year of elite production in 2020 at Tulsa. And I would just love to see him blow up running backs in the NFL when they attempt to pick him up coming on the blitz because he's like 260 pounds. So I think that's an interesting selection as well. Love the Marvin Wilson addition. Josh Myers, interior offensive lineman, played center at Ohio State and definitely more than likely play guard. So I like that. And I'm a big Ellerson Smith fan from the, mm. from what I saw at the senior bowl. And just, I mean, I don't know if you saw his combine numbers. Well, I shouldn't say combine, but pro day <laughs> numbers, they're absolutely ridiculous. So I think that's a high upside addition as well. I just, I'm a little bit questionable on if he can play the run that well in the NFL, but he could be a situational pass rusher that can definitely get pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. I, I really like Ellerson Smith too. I, th- I think that he's a, a guy that is, he's going to end up playing way higher than the expectations that I think some people might have for him. He's a physical freak. So somebody's going to figure out a way for him to contribute. He's definitely going to outplay that round sixth, uh, that, that sixth round spot that he was selected in. And, you know, separate from addressing those other needs early on, you, you get a good corner with JC Horn, who I'm an absolute huge fan of. Uh, Zayvon Collins is a great snag in the second round who might not even be available at the 11th pick in the second round. He might be gone pretty early at the start of the second, but the Marvin Wilson one just makes too much damn sense that I have to point it out. We keep joking about it, but if we're being realistic, <laughs> if comes round four, Mr. Dave Gettleman is taking Marvin Wilson. I Put your damn money down on it now. Go put your bets in. Call your bookie. Uh, that is going to happen if he's available. I agree. Yeah, I, <laughs> I actually wouldn't rule it out of the third round or – Again, Christian Barmore, if he happens to be there in the second round, the Giants added yet another Alabama connection. So that that one of those two picks just has to happen. And Nick referenced Ellerson Smith's pro day numbers, and I just happen to have them up. He, a 41 and a half inch vertical jump, 10 foot seven broad, uh, 26 reps at 225 and a, a 40 of 4.69 and a seven seven second flat three cone drill you know for a guy who's what six five two sixty ish those are like you guys said physical freak numbers absolutely i wanted to run something before we get out of here i wanted to run something by both of you all right go for it so the giants like (laughs) 
in the past, I know Ed's brought this up on the podcast. When the Giants don't address a certain position, then they're that's what they're going to do in the draft. Now, it's it's not always like that, but it's something that I think Dave Gettleman has done in the past. So I look at this edge position thing going on right now, right? Giants are picking at 11. There's probably more than likely not going to be an edge selected before 11. Do you think the Giants might sip, stay pat at 11 and then just take the best edge that they view there to secure their guy and not trade back? Or do you think if like uh, someone like Kyle Pitts isn't around or something like that, do you think that, that that's going to be a course of action that they will end up doing? Uh, I could see it. If they do, if they feel like any of these guys are value at 11, because, you know, right now, who knows how anybody views these guys, you know, Gregory Russo has got all that length and he had a ton of production a year ago, but he didn't play last year. So we don't really know what he is. You know, is Quiddy Pay a, a guy who can fit what they do? Because he's probably the most limited of them. Uh, Joseph Osayo, know, he's got a ton of versatility, really good athlete, but, you know, he, you know, is he a good pick at 11? Aziz Ojolari, you know, similar. He, I think he's further along in his development, I think. I think you could definitely justify him. And then Jalen Phillips, how do you feel about that injury history? You know, concussions can be scary. Yeah. So in, if we, this was Madden and we could turn injuries off, I would take Jalen Phillips without a second thought. <laughs> oh, he's but. a stud. Yeah, I, I kind of – I'm in that same boat here is that we have, have, have seen in the past that with Dave Gettleman, they will not really follow the consensus and they're more willing to go grab – whoever they think their guy is and whoever they're planning on and they, they feel is going to be available at that spot. It seems like they've had a tendency just to go attack that guy. And they weren't afraid to do it with Andrew Thomas. Uh, they weren't afraid to do it with Saquon Barkley. I, I really would, would not be shocked if it's a name that we see where instead of trading back, trying to get some picks and then hoping that that player is still available and they'll likely st- still be available. They'll probably end up taking somebody uh, unexpected. I think that they probably will try to attack someone specific to a need and also specific to uh, whoever they're most in love with. Yeah. I mean, they could just look at the situation like, look, we have this unique spot of not picking in the top 10 and being able to pick whatever edge rusher we want. And I, I do think we need to wonder if edge is even a priority for them. You know, we saw them have good defensive success last year without a consistent edge edge presence. You know, they were able to keep the ball in quarterback's hands, scheme up pressure, and be successful that way. You know, we saw the Patriots do that a couple of years ago. Uh, we have seen Brian Flores do that. So it could be that that is just the style of defense they want to play, and edge just is not a real high priority. Uh, Dave Gettleman has has never really picked an edge. I, I think he's only ever drafted one highly, and he had opportunities to draft uh, Bradley Chubb, Josh Allen, Montez Sweat, and he's each time he's pretty much just you know, passed along on those players. Yeah, but he he loved Josh Allen. He's come out and said that, and he also the, the reason why I'm saying this is because he wanted to give Leonard Floyd a contract. The Giants were heavily in on Leonard Floyd and it just fell through luckily because I really like what the Giants ended up doing. And I think Leonard Floyd is just, I mean, I think he's a good player, but I don't think he's a great player. He's also had a lot of injuries in his past, but I mean, that, that leads me to believe the Giants are really looking at edge. 
Well, guys, I think that's a, a good note to wrap us up on here and getting through our mock drafts, talking a little bit of draft strategy. We're going to continue to hit on some of these topics as, again, as I said at the beginning of the show, we're really not that far off from the NFL draft. We're going to be doing our week lead up very, very soon. It's not that far away. And before you know it, we'll be pumping out those daily shows after each round of the NFL draft. So that is something that you should be looking forward to. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out. Leave us a five-star review and head to bigblueview.com for more amazing Giants content. And also follow us on social media at Big Blue View. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the rest of your week.